1: fans it's time for another edition of the chicago bears podcast bears band powered by windy city gridiron and sb nation bill zimmerman with you and in a refreshing change of pace the chicago bears are not coming off a loss coming off not playing, but at this point, I'll take it because we are in the midst of this losing streak. Seems like this is happening every year with the Bears. This this losing streak in the middle of the season, they usually seem to right the ship in December, but a lot of times it's too little, too late, or they scrape into the playoffs. And it's just frustrating that for some reason, this the season gets away from Matt Nagy each and every Uh, you know middle of the season it's just it's just not okay and we're at it again and now we've got a baltimore game that is going to be very difficult to win here coming up so you know definitely not the situation the chicago bears wanted to be in here at, at, at three and six and and things aren't getting any easier this week but we got a great guest coming up here patrick Manley, long time long snapper of the chicago bears you know him well 670 to score, NBC Chicago. He is going to be by a little bit and, and looking forward to that conversation because I want to get into a few different things with him. Uh, Cairo Santos' his field goal at the end of the Pittsburgh game, which I think was a a lose-lose situation. I want to ask him about that. I want to, I want to ask him about the unit overall. You know, there's been some questionable decisions on, on returns. You know, uh, there's been uh, some, you know, issues here and there and in coverage but you know there's also been some some highlights as 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 well so you know look that special teams unit and you know i i've said this before that is always the uh, the unsung unit there because they can do so many positives in the in the course of a game and so many negatives in the course of a game as well but they're just never really talked about it's always offense defense and rarely is special teams discussed so i want to get patrick's patrick's thoughts on that as well but let's kind of talk about, you know, big picture here, since we don't we don't have a game to react to. The the Bears are sitting here at, at three and six. And, you know, the bottom line on this season, besides Justin Fields, is the fates of both Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and what is going to happen here in the offseason. And and look, I think a lot of Bears fans are operating. Under the assumption that this is a foregone conclusion, that both Pace and Nagy, or at least Nagy, is is gone at the end of the year. And, and I'll be honest, my conversations with Fishbane and Johns the last couple weeks has has definitely changed my mind. I mean these are two guys that are around the team, they're around House Hall. They, you know, they 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 know these this team well. They know McCaskey and Phillips and how they operate the team well. And neither of them are confident about their, their fates. And both of them think that Justin Fields development far outweighs wins and losses. And if if Justin defeat Justin Fields continues to develop, and becomes an excellent player here by the end of the season that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are going to hang their hat on that and say, now we've got the quarterback. Now we're not, you know, obviously he's developing, but he's not starting where he was at the beginning of this season. He'll be starting where he left off at the end of the season, which is a gigantic difference. And now we can win in 2022. So I am curious as to how this plays out. I don't think, and I don't think a lot of Bears fans probably at this point either, think that this team has much of a chance to get into the postseason. The one thing they do have going for them is the bottom of the NFC is not good in terms of the playoff teams. Carolina's currently that last spot, you know. I don't trust Carolina to, to finish the year, you know, 10 and 7 or really even 9 and 8. I, I think they have plenty of issues and, and and things that they struggle with as well. So, look, if the Bears can win a few games here, and look, you can look at the end of this this season here and, and look at, at most most likely scenarios on where they can potentially grab wins. They can potentially grab a win against Detroit. They can grab a win against the Giants. Uh, they, they probably can grab a win against Minnesota. That's, that's three right there. Uh, you know, that game. Gets them from from three to six, but you're going to have to win at least two more to have an opportunity to be eight and nine there and, and try and grab that last playoff spot. So where are they grabbing another win? Can they sweep Minnesota? Can they beat Seattle with Russ back? Can they beat Arizona? Can they beat Green Bay? Those are those are a lot of a tall orders. On this uh, on this team, this team had winnable games against San Francisco and Pittsburgh, and they did not manage to do it. And if they had won one of those, right? If they had won one of those games, and they were sitting here at four and five, then you can sit there and circle the same games I circled and say, now they just need one more win, eight and nine, or just two more wins to be nine and eight. I think if the Bears somehow got to nine and eight, I you know and. <laughs> Talk about a finish! It'd be a six and two finish. If the Bears got to nine and eight, they would absolutely make the playoffs. I think eight and nine is probably a tiebreaker scenario for for the last spot in the, in that playoff spot. But I think the Bears more likely are looking at probably something like 6-11. and 11. I said 7-10 and 10 at the beginning of the year, so I'll, I'll stick with it. There's no point to, to buck that record at, at this point. But if that's where that record finishes, and if Justin Fields continues to develop, what happens to Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy? The one thing I'm thinking more and more, the more feeling I get, is that Ryan Pace is safer than, than Matt Nagy, that they necessarily aren't linked. I know Kevin Fishbane tended to lean more towards they are linked. Adam Johns tended to lean that they aren't linked. It's a tricky situation there because, all right, let's 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 look at, at Ryan Pace's resume. Ryan Pace only has one winning season. That's unacceptable at this point in, in his career with the Chicago Bears. But at the same time, if you break it down individually, like, is going to happen with George and Ted. You're going to see a lot of victories, smaller victories on Ryan Pace's resume and the big one he's going to hang his hat on is we got Justin Fields. We solved the quarterback situation, a situation that really hasn't been solved for 70 years. We solved the quarterback situation for the Chicago Bears. So he's going to hang his hat on that because in, in the end, the GM is in charge of personnel. He also might be able to hang his hand on the fact that Larry Borum was a steal in the fifth round and this offensive line suddenly with bringing back James Daniels at a a reasonable price, Cody Whitehair hopefully bouncing back from a season that's been a little choppy. I don't think there's any chance Jason Peters is back next year based on his age and the contract, but then you have Jenkins and Borum on the outside. If he can hang his hat on saying the offensive line is where it needs to be in front of Justin Fields... Cole Komet is turning into at least a, a use useful piece. I don't know if he's ever gonna be an elite piece like he was drafted to be, but he's a useful piece. And then he's got Darnell Mooney, and then he's got Herbert and, and Montgomery in the back and in, in the backfield. Suddenly Ryan Pace can go out there and take look. This game is about offense. You know, we've got, you know, he can hang his hat on. We've got Sean Desai. We've got Khalil Mack. We've got, you know, all these guys on the defensive side of the ball. I can tweak the defense. You know I can. You've seen what I can do for drafting defensive talent in the past. All I need on offense is, we need to strengthen the wide receiver unit, and we need a center, and we're ready to go. He can do that, and I guarantee you, George and Ted will be listening and, and, you know, listening and biting on every word, because I think Ryan Pace can talk his way into a contract extension. I really do. Matt Nagy, on the other hand, that's that's a tough one to call, because look, we don't know what's happening at Hallis Hall on a day-to-day basis. Patrick Mahomes has talked about the fact that he felt Matt Nagy was very important in his development as a rookie when they were together. Now, maybe that's Patrick Mahomes just being nice, but maybe Patrick Mahomes is speaking honestly, that Matt Nagy did did help him develop. And maybe Matt Nagy is helping Justin Fields develop. Now, I understand on Sundays, Matt Nagy isn't doing what he needs to do to put Justin Fields in a position to win. We've seen, we've talked about it multiple times on this podcast. Everyone's talked about it on Twitter, on, on talk radio, on television. We, we've seen what Matt Nagy is not doing to help Justin Fields on Sundays, but that's game plan. What is Matt Nagy doing on a day-to-day basis to help Fields in terms of you know, you know, adjusting to the speed of the game and when to run and when to throw it away, and and reading defenses and what to look for and and disguised coverages. Is Matt Nagy very helpful in that situation? And if he is, that might be able to save his job. But even if he is, the issue is for me, is that the offense is broken. He was brought in, look. The certain th- th- peep things you can you can separate, but when Matt Nagy was brought in, not just as the head coach, but as the offensive guru, and you cannot say he's an offensive guru. If you want to support him as a head coach and the CEO and what is involved in that situation, that's one thing. But when you're talking about Matt Nagy, the offensive coordinator, you just there there's nothing that you can sit there and say that's why Matt Nagy needs to say. So if If George and Ted sit there and go, well, he developed Justin Fields, and we think he's a good head coach, so we should keep him, that's still ignoring the forest for the trees. Because the bottom line is, offensively, he's not there. And even if he says, I'm never going to call another play for the Chicago Bears ever again, we will have a different play caller in permanently. That will not be me. The bottom line is there's still enough issues within his offense to sit there and, and separate them to to bring him back. You would be bringing him back and having to bring in like a brand new offensive coordinator to revamp the offense because that's not what Laser's going to do. It, it, it's just it to me. I can't separate it but I can't separate Pace from Nagy. And I can sit there and, and I can just hear the things that, like, you know, John Fox wasn't Ryan Pace's coach. Ernie, of course, he was in there. That was kind of a collective decision. We've got this young and experienced GM. Let's bring in the experienced head coach to offset it and let the two of them build this, this team up. Obviously, that didn't work. Matt Nagy was Ryan Pace's choice. So, if Ryan Pace got a second quarterback and figured it out. Will George and Ted go, well, he should get a second head coach because George because John Fox wasn't his head coach. Again, these are the things I am not again, I'm not saying this is what is going to happen. I'm not saying this is my opinion. I am saying these are the things based on what I know and what I have seen about how George and Ted operate this team. This is something that I could see happening in this offseason and they can sit there and and Ryan Pace can can lay out all these arguments that I have laid out here today and Ryan Pace can save his job. I don't know if the same is true for Matt Nagy because I just I can't I know George doesn't know a lot about football, he says it. I know Ted doesn't know a lot about football, he says it, but I just don't know how a fan, let's assume they're educated fans, right? Like I understand they're gonna they're not gonna be able to sit there and and, and break down, you know, with X's and O's and, and look at game film and figure all that out. I understand that's not what George and Ted are gonna be able to do. That's not their jobs. They need to have some semblance of it so they can actually hold Ryan Pace accountable. But if they're just educated fans, right and they know what they're watching enough from a fan level i don't know how you can look at this offense at all and keep matt Nagy around because you know we you know we had 2018 and he's like all right i can get back to 2018 so when 2019 happens and the offense falters And he says, you know, we, we made a couple mistakes. You know, we didn't have the quarterback we quite needed. We're going to try, you know, a guy who's run an Andy Reid offense before in Nick Foles. So that, that was the problem in 2019. Then 2020, he says, look, okay, you know, we tried to piece it together with Nick Foles, but we know we need a quarterback. We didn't solve the quarterback situation. We tried to piece it together. It didn't work. Now we've solved the quarterback situation, but if the offense doesn't click, under Justin Fields playing well, if the offense isn't scoring 34 points a game, and maybe it would be despite Nagy because of Fields' talent, if that's not happening, then I just don't know how he can continue to argue about the issues, oh, we don't have any wide receivers, we don't have the offensive line. You can't just keep making excuses if you're Matt Nagy. He has to be held accountable at some point, and it has to be this offseason, because if you're committing to Matt Nagy, they're going to give him an extension. He's not going to go into the season as a lame duck, which means... Matt Nagy is going to be committed to for a minimum of two more seasons if he gets, a, you know, a, a three-year contract extension. And that is, that I mean, you, you're committing to, to him for basically Justin Fields' entire rookie contract. So, the you're committing to the Nagy-Fields partnership after this season. This isn't like, all right, let's try it one more year. No, you're committed. After this season, you're committed. And I just, at this point, the Chicago Bears cannot commit to Matt Nagy. I don't think they should commit to Ryan Pace. Uh, You know, I talked about this with Adam Johns last week, the idea of making Pace uh, president of football operations. So he can still be involved in Arlington Heights and the stadium development and, and some of the big picture items of the team. But, you know... I just I don't know what's going to happen with Ryan Pace. I think that's interesting. The McCaskies love him. I know that. The McCaskies love Ryan Pace. They love what he's done for the organization. And that's going to go a long way this offseason. Can they sit there and say one winning season isn't enough? You've had another losing season and, and here, here's, the, here's the pink slip. I don't know if they're going to do it. Obviously, you know, they, they have the leg to stand on to do so. I just don't know if we're going to see them be bold enough to make that move, that's that's going to be interesting. But the, you know, second half of the season here, it'll be interesting to see what the Bears can do. Like I said, they've got you know probably three very winnable games. Now again, this Bears team isn't great, so any of those winnable games, they could easily lose. Right? They can lose the Vikings at home. They can lose to the Giants. They can lose to Detroit. You know, Detroit's on the road. Absolutely, that can happen. But that's three winnable games right there. I really think they got to find somewhere, some way in those other five games. And again, we're talking Baltimore. Arizona Green Bay Minnesota on the road Seattle I mean these these are hard football games they're going to have to try and find a way to win two of them so they're at least in the hunt for the playoffs. I, I really believe it, you know. So this is going to be a tough second half. Again, from my fan fan perspective, I just want to watch Justin Fields, enjoy Justin Fields, and let the chips fall where they may, and hopefully they fall in the right spot in January when big decisions have to be made. So let's take a break. Let's get to Patrick Manley. Looking forward to this conversation. We talk to him next. This is Bears Banter. Bill Zimmerman will be right
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: All right, welcome back into the podcast. Our guest this week—very excited. He is a man you Bears fans know well. He is Patrick Manley. Tricky, uh, tricky Twitter handle at Patrick Manley on Twitter. He's now uh, NBC Sports Chicago, uh, 670 the score for pre and post. He's he's all over the place, and he's nice enough to join us now. Patrick, Bill Zimmerman, how are you? Bill, it's good to be here, man. Uh, appreciate you coming on. And let me just kind of start with kind of a broad overview, you know, basically at the halfway point here, by coming basically right at the halfway point. Obviously, disappointing record. We're seeing some development with fields the last couple of weeks. So where have you been on the first half of this season in terms of what you expected coming in and how they're performing.
2: Yeah. I mean, just overall, obviously disappointed being at three and six. Um, We were told during the, uh, during the off season that we were going to see some progress. We saw that, you know, they, they backed Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. And said we believe in what they're doing, that we're going to move forward. We're going to be better. Well, they're not, they got another four game losing streak again, Um, So overall, I I guess I'm actually extremely disappointed. I expected more. Uh, I thought the McCaskies and Ted Phillips, you know, saying they believed in these guys. um, I was hoping more would come from it, but it hasn't. But uh, I think that maybe a little bit, we were uh, surprised that we got Justin Fields as a quarterback, which gives us a little bit more uh, excitement with what's going on. But as far as his progress, I'm very excited about that. But just overall, the team just disappointed in a three and six record something I was hoping at least close to 500 or six and three, and then looking forward to the second half of the season to see where we go and maybe be seated in the playoffs. But they're obviously not out of it yet, but
1: right now at three and six, it doesn't look good. Yeah, that's the the, the one thing is, and it, it's kind of similar to last season with these expanded playoffs. And I don't think anybody thought the eight and eight bears were, were quite a playoff caliber team right. I'll say is the right. best way, even yeah. though they were a playoff team. And it looks like that's it's a possibility this year. Obviously they're they're you know behind the eight ball a little bit, but Carolina's the seven seed right now at five and five. They don't have a quarterback, you know, well they have Cam Newton. We'll see if he can, you know, <laughs> rewind the clock a little bit. But um, you know, so the 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 bottom of the NFC is is there if the Bears can turn it around. But you know, sitting there this week is is Baltimore. So um, you know, we heard a lot of it from George in January about, you know, kind of the what the expectations are and the expectations seem to be the playoffs. So I, I thought this was interesting because I, the last couple of podcasts I had both Kevin Fishbane and Adam Johns on mm-hmm. and they're not so Certain about changes at, at Hallis Hall, uh, Fishbane used the term another disappointing January press conference. <laughs> uh, they, they, you know, they both seem to think if the Bears stink, you know, if they finish say six and eleven, but Justin Fields keeps improving, that that improvement is going to be what they're going to hang their hat on, and we could see both guys return. Um, is are, are you? You know, we, a lot of people seem to think opposite that, at least with Matt and Aggie kind of, where are you guys? Where are you with those two guys job security?
2: Um, I understand their feelings about that. Just what the way that Ryan Pace and, or excuse me, the way George McCaskey and Ted Phillips have have gone about this, that they want continuity. They want to build something, but I'm a believer that if if you have the same year again, and it's, it's unsuccessful and it's, it's underachieving, you've got to move on. And I, here's my answer. Why? It is year two for Justin Fields. This is the time then to put somebody else in his ear, a new playbook in front of him and let him try to grow. I'm not sure if we, we, we've we seen Matt Nagy's offense. It doesn't work. He's obviously given it to Bill Lazor and we're seeing a little bit more uh, progress with that. We're seeing Justin Fields get better with Bill Lazor, but I just don't see Matt Nagy as the head coach going forward. I just, if I'm owning the team, you've given me enough of a sample size that you're not good enough. Um, I got to move on and give, give Justin Fields, somebody else. That's my opinion, but I understand what those guys are saying because that's kind of how business goes up there at Alice
1: Hall. Now, what, what are your thoughts on, on Ryan Pace specifically? Because this is a guy who's only had one winning season uh, Mm -hmm. since he's been there, you know, a few 500, a couple 500 seasons, but only one winning season. Um, You know, he's, the guy who put this team together, there's obviously been some issues. He's kicked a lot of money down the road. You know, we've we've kind of seen everything he's gone about doing it. Uh, But everyone who follows this team, you know, from a media perspective is, is very confident of how well respected Ryan Pace is in the building in Hallis Hall, especially with the McCaskies with the, with the right people. Now, you know, it seemed that these two guys were linked, you know, 10, 11 months ago, but you know, maybe not as much, Much now. Do you think Ryan Pace has more job security than Matt Nagy, or do you think these guys are linked? I I think they're linked. And I'll give you my excuse me, my review on Ryan Pace.
2: And it's not good. I'm very disappointed what he's done high in the draft, moving up with guys, and and then all of a sudden having to cut them and then losing draft picks. He's done okay in the second half of the draft. I'm not happy with him saying, I'm going to draft a quarterback every year because that's the most important position. He lied about that. He didn't do that. He hasn't taken care of the O line, which I think. The O-line, D-line are the most important things. And then finally, uh, the answer to me about Ryan Pace and why he's not good enough for the job here in Chicago was when they played Green Bay. He built this defense to beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. That's that's my opinion. He put all the money over there for the pass rushers. Uh, Eddie Jackson, uh, unfortunately, had to cut Kyle Fuller, but some of the DBs, uh, and they went out and laid an egg against the Packers. They got owned, like, like uh, Aaron sure. Rodgers said. So he built this team. That's the way... I think he thought he was going to beat Aaron Rodgers and it didn't work out. So if it doesn't work out there, why does he deserve a second, third and fourth chance? So there's too many, uh, too many issues that, that, that he are too many things he's done wrong in the past to me, to, to, to warrant him to go forward. I just think it's time if this season stays the same way. It has this way that it's Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. It's time for a whole new regime and bring two people in together. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sick of seeing somebody come in bring a coach in fire them and then have another chance with
1: another coach. I'd like to see two people come in together and see what they can do. All right. Now uh, I'll ask this question in a little bit mm-hmm. more of a, a trickier way. So clearly you you know, you've made your opinion very clear about what they need to do as someone who walked those halls for, you know, almost two decades. Um, and, and knows those know the people in the, that building pretty well. Do you, do you think that they, you know, if this continues down this path that they would make the necessary changes? Yes, I do. I, I, I'm, and one reason why I think is because
2: miss McCaskey's still alive. Um, and she's a very, you know, she's, she's been pissed before quote unquote. Right. And <laughs> right. I think she's still, she's not in charge. George is in charge, but she's still there. She's still the matriarch of the team. And I think she, hangs over George's head. He said, I want to bring her a super bowl. I want to bring this franchise back to to its glory and all that kind of stuff. And I think with her being alive, I I think he feels a little bit, um, you know, more of a push that, you know, he needs to get this thing right. And I hope he does because it's, you can't just sit back and say, oh, we collaborate, we get along. There's a meme out there. It was a Kevin from uh, the office that says I'd rather be liked than good at my job. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like that's what's going on with the bears. I'd rather be good at my job and not like, I just feel that's the way that Hallis Hall is being run. And I don't like that. I, I just give me wins, give me results. And I'm hoping that the McCaskies or George and Ted realize that and like, no, we need to make a change. This is not good enough. Eight and eight is not good enough. All these years, since what, 2013 when we went 10 and six, it's gone downhill. Yes. They had the one year with Matt Nagy when he first got there and you thought it was going to go up. So there was an uptick there, but it just never they weren't able to sustain success. And I just, I think now is, if it continues this way, they have nine games to prove me wrong. But if it continues this way, I think the McCaskies would make a change. All
1: right, well, <clears> let's, <throat> let's jump into the, the on the field stuff. And before I kind of get into some team specific stuff, I, I want to rewind the clock back to Monday night football against the Pittsburgh Steelers, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and not so much to talk about Justin Fields, but to talk about the the end of the game and the Cairo Santos Field goal, and just kind of <laughs> get your, your opinion on that from, from a special teams guy. Because you know, it's it's always my understanding that you know, kicker warms up and basically you get a, a range for the day of of where his leg is and, and with the yes the weather, um, and you know and I understand they were in a tricky situation. Hail marys are are such a, a low percentage, but Santos's kick was well short. Um, <laughs> now, now, do you think Way that short? You should, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> do you think that was Matt Nagy ignoring? you know, what, whatever information he was provided at the beginning of a year? Or do you think, you know, he was kind of, kind of led astray? How, how do you get to a point? And I understand it was a really long field goal, tough situation, but the, it was so short that it was clear that, that just wasn't possible that that kick was not, yeah. there was not a chance that could have been made. Yeah. I mean, I, you go into a game and you let the head
2: coach know the special teams coach does the kicker lets the special teams coach know to so let the head coach know, Hey, this is my number. This is my max number. If we've got to stretch it. There's no way 66 was told that that was his max number. Let me go back to, it's funny when that happened, or he was 65 yards. So back in 2013, December 1st, I went back and looked it up. Robbie Gold, me, and Adam Podlish, we attempted a 66-yard field goal against Minnesota, the same game that we kicked the other field goal on second down with Mark Trestman. And we're on the sideline, and we get the call, like we're going to kick a field goal. And I remember me, Robbie, and Adam looking at each other like, what the, What, what, what are we doing? Like there's no way, and this was in a dome. And this is Robbie in his heyday. Like who can? And we just look at this. Doesn't make sense. So <clears throat> for this to happen in Pittsburgh, and I understand you're maybe weighing percentages, but that's a zero percent kick, zero percent chance kick. And then the other thing is, how many times has he done that in practice? He's maybe done it in practice when you get that twenty-five mile an hour downwind kick, but there's no reason to go for it or, or to kick that field goal. In my opinion, that's that's one you have a greater chance. The throwing it up there and seeing if you can get the jump ball, especially with Jimmy Graham and, you know, the guys they have there that, you know, can, can do that. And have done it in the past. I just, I disagreed with the call. Ultimately as the head coach's call, I don't understand. I don't know the specifics, but my guess is it was not set, uh, Chris Tabor or Cairo. Or were like, yeah, I can make it. I, I, I honestly doubt that because I've been in that situation. I've seen Robbie's eyes. Like what the heck are we doing?
1: <laughs> uh, well, how do you think the special teams unit has functioned overall. I mean, I know there's there's obviously different facets mm-hmm. of that from from punting and, and returning and everything. You know, it's it seemed that Grant maybe was gonna stabilize the return game. And then you know there have been some some questionable decisions there as well. So where you know I, I know you know special teams is one of those things that gets it seems to get ignored a lot, but when you have a great unit you know, it goes, it's kind of that underappreciated, you know, puts, puts, you in, puts the offense in a position, pins the other team back. All the key things a special teams unit can do, uh, but we don't talk about it that much. So where are you with how this uh, unit has functioned over the first nine games? Well, we'll start with the good stuff. Cairo Santos obviously hitting 40 in a row, which is amazing. Um,
2: he's the best kicker right now in the NFL, in my opinion. They're going against Justin Tucker, but I mean, right now, this season, I think Cairo's had the best year. So that's the good stuff. Other things, Pat O'Donnell, I think, is punting the ball really, really well. But I think personnel-wise, they're limited. You know, if you look in the past with Pat's punting, which has been pretty darn good, you had Cordero Patterson and Sheriff Banas as your gunners. And in the NFL, it's very, very important to have studs out there because either they can beat double teams or they're getting double teams out there, which means there's six in the box to hold up on the inside. Um, I'm only seeing um, kind of one double team on, I think it's Crawford. Um, Xavier Crawford is the one that's getting double teamed. And he's pretty good, but he's not elite. Uh, I just think personnel-wise, they're down a little bit. They don't have those studs. I mean, DHC is a good, solid special teams player. Obviously picked up the fumble and scored with it. But he's not a game changer. And what I mean by that, he's not a game plan changer. And, and normally you go play these teams, you play different teams. We had Brendan Iamadejo, We had Larry Wiggum. Uh, 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 Shaw. Um, we always had somebody in there that you had to account for, whether it's a punt rush coverage, whatever it is. I just don't see the bears having that. So I think it hurts them quite a bit. Um, so that's, that's my breakdown of the punt team. I just think they need better gunners out there and the return game. Chris Tabor's just aggressive. He's going to say, Hey man, we're going to bring it. And then, you know, he saw with Cordero Patterson. He wanted to bring it out. And I think a lot of that had to do with the limited offense Maybe now if the offense starts moving the ball, you're like, Hey, screw it. We're just putting our arms out to the side. We're going to take it out at 25. Um, and again, it's not always just the returner. It's the guys up front blocking. I think they're a little limited in their blocking, it's, it's, it's close. There was two games ago. I think I tweeted something. Keep bringing it out. Keep bringing it out. They were pretty close, um, but they're just not, they're not a lead in blocking either. But I, I think now maybe with, Uh, the offense, if it continues to grow and and be able to put up points, you're not going to have to have that return out to the 45 to get some points. So maybe that changes a little bit, but, uh, my overall would be like a B minus. That'd just be, if you want me to give them a grade would be a B minus. Yeah. Uh, All
1: right. Now from, from someone who, you know, works in, in special teams for so long, I think that's one area where a a lot of fans and, and, and maybe there's, you know, differences of opinion among uh, analysts as well on how to build up an elite special teams unit, Mm -hmm. because obviously that's not, you you don't go out to seek that you're going to seek out offensive and defensive players. And then if they have the right, you know, attributes or skill sets to be utilized in special teams. So, uh, you know, that's, that's where they'll, they'll work as well. So for, how would you, build a special teams unit and what would be the key attributes you're, you're looking for? Is, is it more of a coaching thing to make sure these guys do it? Or is there certain, you know, physical traits you're looking for? How, how do you build an, a, a, a strong special teams unit on a, on a year to year basis? That's that's a great question.
2: Well, I'll be biased and say, I want a strong punter kicker and long snapper. I want some solid just consistency there. They don't have to be outstanding, but just, you know, we don't want to have a kicker, Uh, like after Robbie left, you don't want to have to go through that. You want to just have that stability. They go over to their field. They do their thing. They work. And then the coach can coach. And then personnel wise, what you want to do, in my opinion, is you've got to give up at least one roster spot to just a dog, like a guy that just is your special teams guy, that he's probably not going to be a backup safety. He's probably not going to be a backup linebacker. He is just a special teams guy. And he brings the attitude. That's the guy. Brendan Iamadejo was our guy was a decent linebacker, but played a little bit more when he went to Baltimore after he left us, but he was our dog. He was our game plan changer. I think you need one of those. Then you have to be able to be willing when you're breaking down the roster, when you have two guys and some, some teams green Bay is this way. I think new Orleans is this way. They're going to take the developmental wide receiver over the backup safety that can maybe play special teams, or they're going to take the, They're going to take the developmental player over the guy who is going to help out the special teams, if that makes sense. So I think you've got to find a fine line where if you have that developmental wide receiver that maybe two years down the road you think can be a starter or two or three, you go ahead and keep that guy and say, all right, he's not really going to be our stud special teams player. We can hide him somewhere. I think you then got to go and say, all right, if I have this safety that I think can develop to be a stud, that this guy right now is really going to help out my special teams unit. I'm going to take the guy that's going to help out my special teams unit, but you have to find a fine line in the personnel. You don't want to go all out one way or all out the other way. Cause if you go all out one way, you, you turn into green Bay. And that's the way green Bay special teams has been for years. They go for the developmental guy. They don't have the special teams guy.
1: That's the way I would do it. I hope that answers uh, your question. No, that, that answers the question yeah. really well. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let me jump off special teams for a little bit uh, and ask you a, a few more questions offensively here and, and along the offensive mm-hmm. line and, and you talked about how you didn't really like how that that line's been built or how yes. focus has been put on it. Which which I agree. There's there's been you know when you when you know you've only basically had three day one or day two picks you know since Aronis Grasso. Uh mm-hmm. you know there's just there's hasn't been a, a focal point there. And you know part of the reason might be because Ryan Pace hasn't enough draft picks to do so as well. Wow. That's right. That's a different right. conversation. Right. But um you know so we're we're looking at it the you know, a coach who may need to get as many wins as possible to save his job. But now at the same time, yeah. you've got Tevin Jenkins coming back, hopefully very soon and Larry Borum, where you want those guys to play, but you've got Jason Peters, who some people could argue, you know, has is, is maybe has been their best offensive lineman this, this season. So, you know, if, if you're trying to keep Justin Fields safe while still trying to develop the offensive line and the, and the young guys. And, you know, we we've seen what hindrance it can be with white hair and Daniels. Cause they've been jumping around all, all along the interior and haven't gotten a lot of consistent play from one position. What, what do you do in, in this situation to try and like keep field safe, keep the best offensive line out there, but yet still develop guys like Borum and Jenkins. Yeah.
2: I think right now you keep Borum out there. I think he's played well enough uh, the last couple of weeks. When he's been out there, I thought he's done a nice job. As far as Tevin Jenkins, Olin Kruitz had some great points about find out his numbers in the weight room. Can he squat what he did before the surgery? Can he bench what he did before the surgery? Kind of test him a little bit, combine, test him a little bit to see where he's at. But here's the other problem. You only get to be put in pads one day a week. So he only gets to wear pads one day a week for the next three weeks. He hasn't been in pads all year long. But what you can do with them in pads You can practice them in pads and then you can keep them out afterwards against a practice squad guy. So you can get more reps uh, that day because you get the full day of pads. So that's one thing I would do as a coach. And that poor practice squad guy or two has to get the extra reps against them. But it's going to be hard to evaluate them in three full days of pads. So what Olin said about finding out is testing his numbers and and seeing how strong he is. You don't want to put a guy out there that's injured that's not strong enough. That means he's going to get more injured. So um, I, I just find it hard to put him out there um, if he is, if he can play in the next week or two, I just don't know if I could put him out there yet. Cause I don't know if I trust how healthy he is <clears throat> and how much he's ready to go. But to answer your question about, uh, taking care of Justin Fields, I think later on in the season, if you are three and whatever or four and whatever, you've got to get him reps. I've, I mean, even if, even if, you know, I mean, maybe that comes from above to, to Ryan Pace and, and Matt Nagy. It's like, you drafted this guy, we've got to get him ready for next year. Uh, I don't know if you start him a whole game, maybe roll him in a little bit. And I'm, if I'm Jason Peters, I would understand that you've been in the league for 27 years. You understand that they're growing somebody else. Uh, Maybe you get him in there for, for a series or two. Um, But right now I'm not putting him out there. I just, I don't think he has enough. He hasn't worn pads since his last game in college. So that's, that's a tough, tough way to put, put a rookie in there. Uh, and evaluate them. And you're right about uh, protecting Justin Fields. So if you have two rookie tackles out there, if you go back to the Pittsburgh game, right? Who are they helping out? Larry Bom? You can't ship both sides because you will have no receivers out there. <laughs> so that's a tough thing to do as well. So they're putting in a bind right now, but um, maybe later on the season, you get him a little reps here and there, but he just, he's not going to have enough
1: practice time and pads either. All right. It's uh, it's interesting. I, I hadn't thought about it that way with the pads. That's, that's an excellent mm-hmm. point. Um, well, on the offensive side of the ball, since, since we're there, um, What about uh, your thoughts on on Cole Komet And I'll uh, kind of do a two part and and the wide receiver mm-hmm. situation. I think you know I've I've been pretty critical of Cole Komet, even with the idea that tight, tight ends take a while to develop and yeah I understand that and to be fair to Cole Komet, his rookie off season was terrible you know no legitimate yeah. OTAs yeah with the pandemic yeah. and everything and I you know no preseason games so there, there there was a lot against Cole Komet going into his rookie year but you know he is. Seems to be getting a connection with Fields. There does seem to be some some development there, and, and some you know excitement, some stuff to hang your hat on. So you know, where are you with where Cole's been the last couple of weeks, and and the wide receiver room overall, and more specifically, Allen Robinson. I know he had the, the you mm-hmm. know the great play with Fields, but you know, there's there's no other way to put it. Allen Robinson's season has been a disappointment. Yeah, we'll start
2: with Cole. I mean, I just I always put my like my scouting hat on when I watch guys like that and I always want more, right? You're just like, come on, give me more. We drafted you here. We want more. But you understand they're young and they've got to grow. And it is true that tight ends take a little bit longer. I don't know why or whatever. But then if you take him and compare him to a Travis Kelsey, <clears throat> who's the best in the position, in my opinion, that guy gets separation. You know what I mean? When you see him, you know, Monday night football, Thursday night football or wherever it is, he's making he's getting separation. He's open. I just don't see Cole getting open yet. I don't see him with that dynamic athletic ability. Maybe it'll come. Maybe that's part of learning how to run routes a little bit better. Maybe learning. I don't know. But I just, I want to see more. I have seen growth last week. I thought it was a big game for him as well as Justin Fields, like we talked about. But I want to see more. I want to see that guy that, that is that game-changing tight end, that Kittle, that Kelsey, the guy that just the quarterback can rely on and is a mismatch for safeties, nickels, linebackers. And I just don't see that yet in his route running. Um, as far as his run blocking, I thought he's improved he's gotten a lot better at that. He's not dominant, <clears throat> but he's good. Um, so that's where I stand on commit. I just always want more out of guys. And then the receiver receiver position, I, I'm kind of disappointed. And I go back to Ryan pace as well. He talked about all the speed that they got, right. Demir bird and Marky uh, and Goodwin. Well, we had, we, in, in Matt Nagy's offense, you really don't use the speed, right? They're always these stops and hitches. They're just going 11 yards down the field, five yards down the field. Um, so I'd like to see more out of those guys. And then I just feel bad for Allen Robinson not getting reps with Justin Fields in the preseason. I think that really has hurt him. I I mentioned this, I think it was on the pre or post game show that to me, Allen Robinson is kind of like an Alshon Jeffrey back in the day that wasn't going to get huge separation, but is open. You know what I mean? He's always the guy that's open. You can throw it into his body. He's going to get in position to catch it. And I think the more reps you have with a player like that, you understand what Allen Robinson's openness is. And I think now that he's kind of feeling that a little bit, I think we saw Mitch Trubisky. He always felt like he was open, right? He almost forced it to him too much. Um, but I, did, I feel bad for Allen Robinson, just the way he's been using this offense. Mooney's, Mooney's had a nice, nice done a nice job. I think he's a, a legit number two in this league. I like his speed. I like, you know, what he did to the touchdown at the end of the game with his connection with Fields, that, that amazing throw. Um, but overall, I just think, I feels like they just have two receivers and that's it. I just, and that goes back to kind of Ryan Pace, just not not
1: giving this offense enough weapons. Yeah. I, I can't, can't argue there at all. Um, and, and one of the weapons that they haven't been able to utilize is Tariq Cohen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that he, there was actually a video posted of him, you know, doing some bright things and, and handing out, you know, turkeys and, and and food and everything for Thanksgiving. But if, if you look at it, when he's approaching the cars, that that leg is still really Not rigid. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know what happened where he is, where he is still at this point, but you know you know and i saw i saw a tweet from jacob infante uh, who's you know does some draft stuff and some stuff for Winning city gridiron and, and you know i couldn't disagree with it that he's saying I, I think maybe tariq cohen's played his last snap with the chicago bears cuz i just i look at it go i i don't know if he's going to get back on the field at all this season and if his knee is in as bad a shape as it is there is an out in the contract and i just i just don't know if we're going to see him again in a bear uniform yeah, I, I would agree with that. And then I think
2: there's always more to the story, right? There always some, when situations like this happen, I think the, the true story will come out in the future. I don't understand why the Bears, if there is more to the story, hide behind it, because I think the truth is better to be told and let us understand what exactly is going on with them instead of just talking about them, maybe talking bad about them, speculating this. I've had an ACL injury. Uh, I was lucky to come back in, what, nine, 10 months or whatever. Uh, but fortunately, all I had was just a straight ACL tear but sometimes guys have ACL tears and a whole bunch of other stuff going on in there. that takes a little bit longer. Um, and, or maybe he re-injured it. Maybe he retore it. Maybe he hurt something else. I would rather be told, yes, he got re-injured. He did it. This, you know, he, he got re-injured. Maybe he embarrassed, maybe he did an embarrassing, maybe he did some, you know, pull the stunt and get hurt himself again and had to get surgery. I don't know, but I do see that it's, it's gotta be his last, last, last snap as a bear. And that's unfortunate because he's a dynamic talent. And hopefully this just doesn't hurt his career. Hopefully this doesn't his career ending or sets back that, uh, speed and, and, and just his ability to play football. Hopefully it doesn't set him back, but I think there's just going to be more to the story
1: in time. Yeah. And I, I, I think there probably is too, because it just things, things don't add up when you just look at right. the timeline. And right. Where he is. No. Uh, well, speaking of dynamic, health, let me finish with this. Cause I was, I was glancing at your Twitter and. Um, I saw uh, your, your, you know, your banner photo, which is, is you at the, at the super bowl at the Mm -hmm. coin toss. Um, So let me just ask you as um, you know, when, when you reach that, that big stage as as a football player and, and as a team, how is that, you know, obviously, you know, that's what every goal is for every team every year, but there's only two getting there every year. How in, you know, how burned into your memory are those, those memories of that game and prepping for that game? (laughs) It's funny you say that
2: because I got lucky to play a long time, 16 years. So I've got a lot of memories and there's a lot of times I'll talk to old teammates or people who bring stuff up and I'll have no memory of it or I'll have a vague memory of it. Or honestly, I'll have no memory. I'm like, man, I really don't remember that game that whole week, that whole two weeks of prep for it. I pretty much remember everything. I can remember every practice. I can remember the locker. I could walk into my uh, university of Miami's locker room and tell you exact locker I had, you know, for practice. That's where we practice. Sure. to uh, the bus rides, to and from practice, to uh, the dinners we had on Monday and Tuesday night, to the bus ride, to the game. Uh, to I could point out my locker that I had at Miami stadium uh, to the flash bulbs going on like that is just ingrained into my memory. I, I mean, it's a whole movie. You know, I, I could, I could recall every scene, every, every line from that movie and, that's one of those things that maybe I saw it from like a up, uh, uh, you know, a, a view from above, like watching myself. Because that that picture um, on my Twitter feed is kind of how I saw that coin toss. Like it was surreal to be there. Dan Marino's there. I'm like, all right, that's Peyton Manning. This is the Super Bowl, and that's the way I kind of saw it. Maybe that's way the way it was burned into my uh, brain. But those are memories that that'll be there forever, and I could I could
1: recall every second of of, of basically that. I said two weeks, but that week down in Miami. All right. And, and, and last one um, being, you know, that game and, and the iconic iconic Devin mm-hmm. Hester return to start the game, I, I would assume being someone who, you know, got to work with him on special teams for, for years, you would think he's a, a hall of famer. Do you yep. think the committee, you know, you know, we know how they get weird with specialists like that, mm-hmm. you know, how few kickers and punters there are. And there really isn't a Devin Hester in the, the hall of fame. I think most people think he is without question, the best return guy ever Uh, being he's got more return touchdowns than Deion Sanders who got the defensive interception touchdowns as well to get Mm -hmm. to that number. Do you think the committee will look at Hester as what he is and put him in immediately? Or do you think it may take some time or, or never, never at all? If I'm on the panel, he's going in immediately.
2: And it's not because I was his teammate. It's because if there is a punter and kicker in the hall of fame, a returner should be in there. He's changed the game. He's the greatest returner in the history of the game. So that is a position and he not only changed the game, he would change the outcome of games. So uh, he deserves to be in. I think the way they do things, it's going to take a little while, but if you are the greatest at what you do, and there is a punter and kicker, in, he deserves to be in. He changed the game more than any punter and kicker. And that's, that's, you know, it's just, that's who he is. He's the goat. He's the greatest to ever do it. Um, he deserves to be in, and I, I hope it comes sooner than later, because uh, he's he was a great teammate. He was lucky as heck to watch. Uh, the funny thing, real quick about that return. So when he returned that kick in the um, Super Bowl, I'm sitting there screaming like a fan, and I'm like, oh, oh crap! I've got to go run, go get my helmet. I had to run like halfway down the field because we left my helmet on the other side. I'm like, I'm in the next play, and I'm like, oh my god, wait a minute, what's going on here? I'm just taking it all in, looking at the fans and seeing him jumping around. I think Cam Wardell jumped on his back and. I'm like, oh, shit. I gotta go get my gotta go get my That's helmet, That's funny. Was, yeah, I, that was a moment. That was that was one, obviously, I will remember. But
1: yes, he's a Hall of Famer, man. If a punter and kicker in, he deserves to be in. All right, I, I love that story. It's a good one to go out on. At Patrick right. Manley on Twitter, longtime time bear six seventy score NBC Chicago. Patrick, thanks so much for jumping on. That was a great interview. We really enjoyed it. you, man. You bet. Fun t- chatting with you. There he is, Patrick Manley. That was that was that was fun. That was I love having Patrick on and and. Because he he gets a unique perspective from Patrick, especially in the special team scenario where, you know, again, like I told him when we were talking about it, it's not something you focus on. Right. We don't sit there and talk about the the coverage and and all and and getting his perspective and and how you build a unit, because, you know, there is a lot of turnover in your special teams year to year because you don't, you know, cling to all your backups. And it's it's a tricky, you know, unless you've got an elite coach who, who really knows how to utilize special teams, it's it, it's a really tricky unit to build and keep at a high level on a, on a year-to-year basis just because of the turnover. And I, I think he he made a lot of good points there. And I, I wanted to talk to him about that Cairo Santos field goal attempt because I just think that was just put in a, you know, you put him in a, a position not to succeed. You know, he said, like he said, 0% chance kick there. It's just I don't understand what the thought process was there. You know, I, as in the podcast last week, I talked about how much with that game, how much I loved watching Justin Fields and didn't care about the win versus the loss. And and I still believe that, because like I said, this team wasn't winning the Super Bowl this year, so the number one thing is developing Justin Fields, and we saw a big leap there against Pittsburgh. But when you have a chance to win the game, and I understand it was uh, it was going to be a, a long shot regardless, take the 2% chance rather than the 0% chance. That was just, just a poor choice by Matt Nagy, and a, and a reason why, even as someone who supported Matt Nagy, for a long time, you know, and I still think he may be a successful coach if he learns from his mistakes. If he gets a second chance, I think there's a good chance he will be a successful coach in this league. But that's just one of those decisions made in the heat of the moment that just didn't make a lot of sense. Now, this game coming up here against Baltimore, obviously, No, not uh, not saying anything controversial when I say the Ravens are the far superior team here. Uh, They're better coached. They've got more talent. They've got, you know, a more experienced uh, quarterback, a better quarterback, at least at this point. Uh, So there's there's not a lot to hang your hat on to say that the Bears can win this game other than the fact that maybe Fields hasn't had that wow moment and it could come at Soldier Field against Baltimore, where he really puts up crazy numbers. Like I said, maybe this Pittsburgh game was Justin Fields' moment, but maybe this is the beginning of him you know, getting to that next level and bringing his game to that next level. So we'll see what that is in terms of uh, where he is against Baltimore. But Even with the game at home, which obviously is going to help them a little bit, that's going to be a tall order. I do think if we'll see at the time of this recording, none of the key uh, defensive players had had played yet for Chicago, if they're back, that is going to be a huge, huge benefit in terms of trying to win this game, because if Mack and Jackson and, and these guys... If they're not out there, we saw how flawed that defense is without them. They need to be back on the field if they're to have any chance. If they are back on the field, I think the Bears can hang in there, keep it close, keep it within the point spread, and at least have an opportunity to win it late in the game. But if they're not on the field, I just don't see how this Bears defense is going to be able to hang with the Baltimore offense. And I think it, we could be in for a very long day in Chicago. So the, the, the health of that defense is critical. I think Sean Desai is a good defensive coordinator. I like a lot about what he's done. But when you have the disparity on talent going from you know the Jalen Johnsons to the Kendall Vildors, when, when you have that kind of disparity and when you don't have that kind of depth to cover, Khalil Max being out. And I understand Khalil Max elite and you're going to have a step down. It's not like you have a Khalil Max type, you know, on the bench. But, you know, when you have that drop off and, and the defensive line up front hasn't produced, you know, the, the interior like the Bears thought, when you don't have those players playing for you and playing at an elite level, you cannot hide your deficiencies. And that's what we've seen here these last couple weeks is once they've gotten banged up, Sean Desai cannot cover the talent gaps. And he's not going to be able to against that Baltimore offense. He's just not going to have any chance to do that, I don't think. So, if the Bears don't get healthy, we're in for a long day. If they do get healthy, I, I think they can hang in there. But either way, I do think Baltimore hangs another L on this team. And then, hopefully, they can get right in that short week and get for Thanksgiving against the Detroit Lions so I'm gonna give you two scores I'm gonna give you the Mac Jackson out Ravens 34 Bears 17 Mac Jackson playing Ravens let's say 23 Bears 20 so we'll see that health all comes down to health on that defense. I really believe that. So that's going to do it for Bears Banter. Thanks so much for Patrick Manley for joining us. We'll see you about next week. Bear down, everybody.